With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Zoltan today. Enjoy your podcast Miller and Dace doing our first post Iowa game podcast of the 2017 season Iowa beating Wyoming 24 to 3 on Saturday and uh, I did the instant reaction podcast on Saturday I've also tweeted out about 40 little video clips on Twitter over the weekend so you have all heard from me quite a bit uh, and Steve and I'll certainly play off one another Steve I'll ask you what were your impressions uh, on what you saw from Iowa well, the game pretty much went the way that I thought. Um, you know, you look at Wyoming, and I, I know the hype for Josh Allen from an NFL draft perspective, and there were a couple of times on Saturday that you saw um, what he can do. But, you know, he's at a mid-major program, and he's at a developmental mid-major program. You know, the group of five has tiered programs, John, just like the Power Five does, you know, and you have some programs in a group of five right now, a Navy, a Boise State, you know, they just reload and they have certain floors every year. They're not going to win fewer than eight or nine games, no matter who's on the roster. And, And then you have your, you know, developmental programs in the group of five and you know, Wyoming would be one of them. And and they only obtained that status kind of coming out of nowhere last year under Craig Bull. I mean, they've, they've been really a doormat in college football with a couple of exceptions since pretty much, you know, the mid to late 80s when they were playing teams like Iowa and Oklahoma State in the Holiday Bowl. So you look at the players they've lost. They lost a fantastic running back last year in Brian Hill. Uh, he lost his top two wideouts to the NFL dra- or, or, or to eligibility. They started two true freshmen on the offensive line. You know, you, he just doesn't have the supporting cast. It's it's one thing if you're, you know, Iowa faced Ben Roethlisberger, if I remember right, his last year in college. It, it, but, you know, he doesn't have that kind of ability around him that he had last year in terms of help. And you saw that on Saturday. Physically, they were already going to be under the gun anyway. I mean, the running game was essentially non-existent from the jump. But they just didn't have the weapons on the outside to try to take advantage of some Iowa youth on, at the secondary spots, you know, particularly with you know, an injury to one starter not in the game. Um, and, and then on the other side, you saw what I thought you expected Wyoming to do, which is to sell out against the run and dare Iowa to beat them throwing the football, which is something you and I have said on this podcast for years. We don't know why every team 
you know, for 12 straight games, doesn't play that way against Iowa. Nathan Stanley made enough plays, including one really pretty touch pass, but did just enough. Um, I, I, you had the tailback combination you expected to see out of Akram Wadley and James Butler. You know, Wadley had to do a lot of his work on his own. I thought Butler ran pretty well between the tackles. You know, the offensive line, obviously, we were shocked on Saturday to learn of some major reshuffling that went on there. So that's something to watch going forward. Uh, But the game, it's in and of itself, because of the physical advantage of Iowa and, and, and the limitations of the players around Josh Allen, pretty much went the way that I thought it was going to go. Yeah, and I don't expect for you to, you know, have watched every single play of the game three times like I have already. Um, I came away more impressed with Stanley after watching it again. Obviously, there were mistakes. I mean, one of his audibles that he made, every single player on the line of scrimmage and both the fullback and running back went to the right, and he was the only guy that went left. So there were were several things that that he will have to clean up. But you mentioned the one touch pass, and, and you were just probably speaking specifically of one. One of the big things I kept hearing about him was that he had a good fastball, but that his changeup needed a lot of work, that he just threw it too hard all the time. I This game, he, he showed a lot of touch. He showed great touch uh, on a you know first and 10 coming out of their own inside their 10-yard line, a play action run to his right. Another one of those he threw to easily. The touchdown that he threw to easily was fantastic. He got a lot of protection on that play, three or more seconds of protection. Looked off the first target, came back to easily on a, on a crossing route across the middle, which is Hawkeye Gamefield pointed out on Twitter was a, you know, a Ken O'Keefe staple. Uh, we certainly saw a lot of Ken O'Keefe route ladders in this game. The, the air that he put under the ball to both of Fant's touchdowns, especially the first one when Fant was wide open, when the cornerback followed Fant in motion, Ocean and then peaked in the backfield, which I don't know why he did that. I really was impressed with the touch that he showed. And I am a little more optimistic about the ceiling for this year's Iowa offense than I was in the offseason. And it's because I think that Stanley is going to be better than I thought. And I think the receivers easily really impressed me. Now, it may be a case of Stockholm Syndrome because, quite frankly, they only really played four receivers. Some other guys got in for a snap or two, but it was Vandenberg easily. Um, for all intents and purposes, it was it was just those two and Fant. But I really like what I saw of Easley. And not having James Daniels was a big deal. You may disagree with this, Steve, but I think in Iowa's offense, their center is easily the second most important player on offense behind the quarterback. Well, you're talking about not just the calling of signals pre-snap, but, I mean, when you run his own blocking scheme, he's essentially the fulcrum. He, he is, you know, he's the he's the first chair in your orchestra, if you will, that kind of determines the rhythm of the rest of your blocking. So, yeah, I, I, if he's not the second most important, I think he's certainly in the conversation. Yeah, and, and counting up blockers when teams are very aggressive – letting people know to his left and right. I mean, just so many things that he does. And, oh, by the way, he's probably one of the – he's possibly one of the five best in the country 
at that very important position. So, you know, they'll get him back this week. That's what, you know, Kirk said, that they'll have him back for the Iowa State game. Then, I, you know, Iowa's center in this game, he hadn't played center since the Shrine Bowl when he was, you know, ending his senior year in high school. Wow, they still have that? I didn't uh, cover that. The register, I didn't, even, I didn't know they still played that game. I think so. Wow. So... I was encouraged by that. Obviously, Iowa didn't put up a ton of numbers. They didn't have 300 yards. They only ran 56 plays. But it's not like we haven't seen that before, and that's not a recipe they can win with. For me, on the day, the defense played an exceptional game. You, 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 you hit it right on the head. The playmakers for Wyoming were not great. It was very encouraging then to see the defense dominate the way that they did, and that was a very dominant performance. They got just enough pressure on the on the quarterback with their front four. Uh, clearly, Wyoming could not, um, you know, skate on the front four and just go out and start blocking linebackers without taking care of front four responsibilities. And not surprisingly, Iowa's three linebackers were their three leading tacklers, and Josie Jewell was the Walter Camp Defensive Player of the Week nationally. Well, I, I think I'm much more impressed with the way the offense looked given the shuffling of the offensive line and the new quarterback and the alarming things we heard about what wasn't happening in the quarterback race in camp than the defense, only because I, I just think I, Wyoming was way – a Big Ten def, a Big Ten team starting two true freshmen in the offensive line is going to have a difficult time even against an average Iowa defense at the point of attack because of how physical Iowa traditionally is. Right. Now you're doing that at the group of five level. So uh, I, I actually have – I would go against the conventional wisdom here. I, I would take more from the offensive film than the defensive film. But I will say this. It looked the way Iowa football is supposed to look on both sides of the ball under Kirk Ferentz when the team is good. That's the thing I would. That's what I would take. Even I watched some of um, the. I watched a lot of the post-game shows and wrap-up shows on the various networks Saturday night. And uh, Joey Galloway from ESPN made a crack. Uh, show me an Iowa offensive highlight that's not a play-action pass to the tight end. You know. Well, I mean, show me a. Oh, show me an Urban Meyer Ohio State highlight that unless Ezekiel Elliott's in the backfield, that isn't the quarterback doing something. I mean. When you have a system, there's just certain things that you can rely on. And I think for if you're an Iowa fan, the fact that it looked that, that you did maintain that brand, that it looked the way it was supposed to look, that's what I would take the most confidence in. Iowa's first three offensive possessions were three and outs. Um, they ran a number of different looks. And then after those first three and outs on their fourth possession, they came out and they went back to the outside zone. And they went back to the outside zone and gained, you know, 10 yards, then 9 yards, and then they went straight isolation blocking and picked up a lot more. It's almost like they said, "Okay, we tried a few of these two things. Let's get back to the basics here." All in all, I thought I thought the play call on the first touchdown to Fant, a play action down there uh, on on the goal line was a great call. And that's not a call that, you know, it's not a call that we haven't seen before, but it always seems to be uh, a successful call down there but you know whenever I was playing their best football and that they have the athletes that they have at tight end I thought Brian Ferris did a pretty good job I agree and what I liked about the way they called the game 
is, you know, from the fourth and goal call there at the one, they they get, they they showed, I thought, when it was strategically advantageous to do so, I thought they called the game in a way that showed confidence in the players that said, hey, you know, you guys, you, you know, that's why you're here, to make these plays. And I think that's very important as a tone setter, particularly at the quarterback spot. Um, given the game you're going to going into on Saturday, the environment you'll go into on Saturday, um, the rivalry aspect, I think it was very key to have Nathan Stanley come out of the game with an idea that, you know, if called upon, I can make a play or two. I'm, I'm not just here, you know, to hand the ball off to Akram Wadley and James Butler 50 times, which, you know, may work a lot of Saturdays. But um, I, I think it was very important to establish some of the guys, but Stanley in particular, and you mentioned the receivers, easily, of course, making one of those big plays for a touchdown. But, but ha- come out of that game with some people that, as the season goes on, probably as soon as this Saturday, are going to be called upon to do things they haven't been asked to do before and to come out of that game that you had on Saturday – with them having the confidence in a game with live with live ammo that they can be those kinds of playmakers. I thought that was key. Iowa will get Manny Rugumba back at cornerback after he served his one-game suspension. Yeah, uh, I correct me if I'm wrong. I said injury late earlier. I meant to oh, no. say suspension. My that's, bad. All right. that's all right. Um, Old Jamudia, I thought, did okay. That The one you know deep play that basically Wyoming's receiver dropped, then caught, that the ref said was a touchdown, which was a horrible call that was overturned. Um, that was uh, Ojemudia's, you know, blowing blowing that one. But Rugumba will be back. I thought Josh Jackson played a fantastic game for Iowa at the other corner. So I feel pretty good about Iowa's cornerbacks. Steve, I you know, I took one for the team, and I plucked down six bucks, donated to the Iowa State Athletic Department, and I watched Iowa State's game against Northern Iowa. And I felt this, you know, before watching, you know, Iowa does play Penn State. They do play Ohio State. But I really believe that the passing attack they're going to face in Ames on Saturday with Park, Lazard, two or three other talented receivers, uh, a very talented running back. I think this is a this will be one of the better skill position more dangerous skill position teams they're going to face, certainly in the passing game all season long. And I I do get a little concerned about Iowa staying in their base 4-3 package, which if they do that a lot, it means linebackers on receivers. I think that where I feel Parker, I might be tempted to play more more nickel in this game until Iowa State proves to me with their still unproven offensive line that they can hurt me in the run and get that extra defensive back in there because Iowa State can hurt you through the air. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Iowa makes an adjustment like that because, correct me if I'm wrong, when have they ever made an adjustment like that? Yeah. That's and, just... and I don't mean that as a criticism. I'm just saying, because I just pointed out, there's a certain brand, right? And that would be way out of character. I, 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 I mean, I, I've marveled for more than 10 years at how during a bye week they changed their entire offense back in 04 behind Drew Tate. But that was during a – that's tough to do in a bye week. You're telling me with essentially three days to prepare in a game week, which is really what you have in terms of guys on the field between 
walkthroughs and film and class and days off. You're really talking about three days. You're going to change your approach. I mean, I could see them implementing something like that on a situational basis. Well, it's not like they don't have a nickel personnel package and they don't work on it. No, well, that's why a situational basis. But to make that your base, who comes out? If that's your base defense, who comes out? Bo Bauer. Is that one of your? That, wouldn't you say that's one of your better defensive players? Well, um, you, you've got Neiman and and um, Jewel who probably aren't coming out. Neiman's probably better in pass coverage. Uh, Bauer's the slowest of the three linebackers, so you sub him out and you bring in a, a defensive back. Okay. All I right. mean, I, I, it's not. I, it's, I, it's not like changing your offense because they actually do have a nickel package. But I get what you're saying, and I don't think that we'll see it early on. I, I don't think so. If we do well, I don't see think it, what you're saying is nuts. I mean, they, the Iowa State for the 42 points they scored, which I think is the most they've ever scored against you and I, um, is they ran the ball I think for 130 yards in the game. Not, okay, so it was not an overpowering um, rushing attack and, whatsoever. And I talked with Chris Williams today, and I agree with his point. Those rushing yards were not really due to an exertion of the offensive line's will on Northern Iowa. It's their running back did a lot of that on his own. I still think Northern mm-hmm. Iowa, or I still think Iowa State has some OL issues to work through. Uh, I well, I mean that's a perennial thing at Iowa State. You know, like the Swans returning to Capistrano. You know, I mean, it just <laughs> these are the days of our lives. So yeah, you know, I mean, I've been I've been a part of the Iowa State program where you know if one offensive lineman got hurt. Um, then the whole season was over, and we were shooting Easter eggs. So yeah, I mean that's a that's the perennial lament uh, is that. So I agree, the spread offense mitigates that, and somewhat to considerably, which is why you see more and more college football yeah. teams going to it. Uh, now it, it schematically it mitigates it somewhat, no matter what. It can mitigate it considerably depending on what kind of skill position talent you have. Now there, I think Iowa State is in really good shape. But um, I, I do. I am concerned. As a Cyclone fan, I would be concerned. You know, as we sit here and watch, as I'm watch, we're watching Georgia Tech in Tennessee as we speak. Okay, Tennessee ran had 25 plays in the first half. Total, to- total. That's all they had in the first half, and they had to run a hurry up with a minute to go in the first half to get to that number, because. Um, now, Tech's starting to get some chunk plays now in the second half, but a lot of this was three yards, five yards, six yards, three yards, five yards, seven yards. I could see Iowa doing a lot of that on Saturday, um, given the state of the rush defense for Iowa State. Um, I think the skill position players for Iowa State are going to give Iowa a lot of problems. And I think the, the key then becomes, uh, does I, can Iowa's front four get enough of a pass rush to make life a little bit more difficult for Jacob Park. Uh, I think the secondary for Iowa State has some playmakers. Kamari, Kamari Cotton Moyer, of course, is an all-Big 12-level player. They had two pick sixes in a game, something they hadn't done since the last time they had some decent players in the back seven. You know, when they had, um, uh, you know, Jake Knott uh, on that team and the other linebacker, um, his name escapes me, from those 09, 010, 011 teams that played some pretty good defense for Paul Rhodes in that era. Um, so the the situation favors Iowa State. The circumstances favor Iowa State. It's at home. Uh, going back 15, almost 20 years now, they have played Iowa very well for the most part at home. 
Uh, they were destroyed in this game last year, so it's a big revenge game. They run a, a style of offense that we have seen give Iowa problems. Uh, whether it's Northwestern these days, Purdue under Joe Tiller in the old days, um, and that's the style of offense that Iowa State runs. You know what kind of defensive game plan we're likely going to see. Uh, the you know you and I've made this joke for years now, but it is the Iowa, the annual Iowa Blitz the Cheerleaders Iowa State defensive scheme. I suspect you will see. And the good news for Nathan Stanley is, you know, you said you watched the film and he, you were even more impressed when you watched it a second and third time. Good, because he's going to get plenty of chances on Saturday to show he can make those throws. Because I, I, I think that the Iowa game plan will be if Akron Wadley gets 100 yards, it's because he ran the ball 30 times. We're going to force Nathan Stanley to beat us. And if Nathan Stanley can, then you win. Tip of the cap. And we'll see you next year in Iowa City. I think that's pretty clear that's going to be the defensive game plan is to put a young quarterback on the road in his first start in a hostile environment and put the ball in his hands and say, all right, young man, go win it for your team. And we'll see if you can do that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Wadley had 119 yards against Wyoming, but it came on 24 carries, including one play that was third and 21, and he got 23 running the ball with doing, you know, one of the things that he does. And, and I did, and I agree with you. I, I will say we didn't see really any screen game from Iowa. We didn't see any running back screen passes to Wadley. We didn't see any bubble screen plays that you know the you know Ken O'Keefe was certainly fond of. I do believe that we'll see more of that to counteract the aggressiveness that we both expect Iowa State to show. And part of me does wonder if they, you know, you know, part of me wonders it, but part of me doesn't. Wonders if he kept some of that in the bag, but it's not like you keep a screen in the bag against an aggressive defense because everybody in the world runs such things. So mm-hmm. it's not like Iowa State's going to be caught off guard when Iowa all of a sudden calls a screen play. Um, but but I, but I I can't really put my finger you know on the the number of plays, but I saw but I did notice watching the Iowa game again a number of plays that I thought hmm. That's a good thing to have on tape because there's a number of counters to this that I, I could see them using next week and putting this down on film just to you know get Iowa State for look at. But but Iowa State's not stupid, you know they they have professional coaches that are know know those things too. If I can see them from my couch in Oklahoma, so I, I think I it's. I don't know if it's too easy to say, you know, these teams, it's one of the more evenly matched games. I think what you have is you have Iowa State with a very clear strength of their team being their passing game. And you have Iowa with a very clear strength of their team being their front seven on defense. And where Iowa State necessarily hasn't shown um, strength yet is on their defense and Iowa hasn't necessarily blown the doors off on offense yet so you've got strength against strength weakness against weakness and maybe it comes down to which team's weakness is better than the other team's weakness agreed I think that's really good analysis the one thing the one area I have helped or I have hope for the Cyclones is I think this is the first time that Iowa State has a quarterback that can make the throw Iowa's defense usually forces quarterbacks to make. Since Seneca Wallace. Since Seneca Wallace, gosh, yes. Let me forget that, yes. Um, Which means we're going back 15 years. (laughs) Now, now, Iowa State has beaten Iowa a few times without having that quarterback. Brett Meyer threw a beautiful deep ball, as in, Todd Blythe, you're really tall and jump high, go get it. Okay, but he wasn't going to throw 
that touch pass, that 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 yeah. seam route. He just, that that he just didn't have that kind of arm, and that's why I think he's you know selling pharmaceuticals now and not doing not playing in the in the NFL. I, I think they have the first time they have a, the quarterback since Seneca Wallace that can make those throws. Now, will he be able to make them under? the pressure of what Iowa will put on them on their offensive line. If we're, cause we're going to find out on Saturday, if Iowa state is still working out issues on its offensive line, as you just said, because given the physical style that w- which Iowa plays defense, that will get exposed one way or another. I would suspect you'll see a lot of quick passing uh, in order to try to mitigate that. A lot of three step, three step drops, quick decisions, etc., to try and loosen the Iowa defense up, uh, a little bit and use that to essentially set up the run. And and I think that's that I think is the key to the game really is Iowa State Jacob Park to me has to has to make the throws that the Iowa defense will give them. If he does with the receivers he has, I believe Iowa State will win. If he does not, then I think Iowa's physical advantage of the line of scrimmage um, will be the determining factor in the game. All right, we'll be back to talk more about that later on this week on Thursday night when Steve and I make our predictions for next week's games. And to that end, uh, we will issue another podcast tomorrow night that will go over the predictions we made from la- for last week's games as well as take a look at what took place in the Big Ten Conference as well as around the college football world. It was so good for football to be back. For Steve, I'm John. Thanks for listening.